On episode 540 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we discuss three simple tactics to lose your spare tire over 40. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 540. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. If you know you can't sustain another year of sliding down the aging curve, weight gain, body aches and pain, no drive, if you're ready to see your energy and confidence go up, 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 and you want to build a sustainable lifestyle that helps you be the best you you can be, then you should check out be fit for task. 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT. Inside BFFT, I work with you to develop the mindset needed to lose weight and keep it off, build up your fitness safely so you can be who you need to be, put together the right for you strategies and tactics, have accountability to stick with it, and create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. I'll be like the headlights on your car and the rumple bumps on the side of the road to keep you on your road to wellness day or night. And at the end of our six weeks together, you'll have more energy, be stronger and healthier. And yes, you'll have lost weight. But more importantly, you'll have the skills and tools you need to keep going, to be fit for task, to live the life you're meant to live. Imagine how amazing that's going to feel. Apply at 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT, and we'll get on a discovery call to make it happen. 40plusfitness.com forward slash BFFT. Hey, Raz, how are you? Good. How are you today, Alan? I'm doing all right. I'm pretty excited as we record this. I'm about to go on a two-day staycation. Woo. Um, my, uh, my wife and I are going to go to this resort here. In, it's in Boca del Toro. It's just on a different island. Uh, no Wi-Fi, no cell signal, no phones. Uh, wow. Two days of being completely off the grid. And, you know, even though we take an annual trip, uh, and we did take a week off last year, really since uh, early September, we haven't had, I haven't had a break. Um, oh, gosh. I, I've been seven days, almost seven days a week, every week since then. And so this is just kind of time for me to take a couple, just a quick little mini vacation. Uh, it's on our anniversary. Um, so that's that's a good thing too. Uh worked out. Um, so we're gonna do that. And I'm pretty excited. We're packed up, ready to go. And later today I get on a boat and I'll come back 48 hours later, having been <laughs> off the grid and and, yeah. and, and unplugged, unplugged for a oh full gosh. 48 hours. That sounds so wonderful. Well, happy anniversary, early Thank anniversary, you. but also how wonderful to be off the grid for a little while. It sounds great. 
Yeah. And so next week, um, I'll talk about what that feels like and what that's all cool. about. Yeah. No Twitter, no Facebook, no drama, no anything. So just guys, don't blow up the world while I'm gone. But right. uh, <laughs> we'll do our best. Yeah, I'm looking on the horizon, all these mushroom crowds. I, got, I guess I missed it. <laughs> yeah, you missed something. Must have missed a headline. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it sounds like a wonderful vacation. It's nice that you can finally get away after such a long time. My goodness. All right. How are things up there? Good, good. We are also planning some vacations for the summer, but we've been a little bit sidelined. Um, I've, I told you earlier, but we haven't shared with the listeners that my husband was recently diagnosed with kidney cancer. And I wanted to share that for a couple different reasons. But um, the reason that I, it's the first reason I want to share it is that it was an incidental finding. And it was a strange finding at that. Um, we're both 50. So feel like it's still a little young, although not unheard of to have cancer at this age, but, um, he noticed some blood in his urine right before our marathon weekend back in April. And I know I mentioned that because it is unusual. I mean, you should definitely go to the doctor anytime you have blood in places that doesn't belong even in your urine. And so, uh, when we got home from our marathon, he did go in and um, urine test, blood work, and a CT scan revealed that he had a pretty significant sized tumor in his right kidney. So the good news is, is that it seems to be contained. It hasn't metastasized, which is great. The type of cancer is the most common type of kin kidney cancer. Almost 50% of the people that get kidney cancer get this particular variation, and it does respond very well to treatment. So he'll be, he's started chemo and he's doing okay with the chemo right now. He's not having any ill effects so far. And then after a couple of weeks on this, he'll be starting an immunotherapy, which sounds super cool, but um, that'll help to keep it from spreading. And he might be on this for a year after he has his kidney removed um, in order to um, teach the body to fight it should it come back. So it's definitely boosting his immune system. That's the whole purpose of it. So in a couple months ago, chemo. Um, hopefully the tumor will shrink enough so that it's um, able to be removed through surgery. He'll lose his kidney, but that's okay. His other kidney is untouched and just as healthy and he will be just fine. So hopefully throughout the, by the end of the year, he'll be one kidney down and, and cancer down. Yes, absolutely. You know, we're there. We're thinking and praying for him. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Are you ready to get into uh, weight loss? Yes, definitely. How to lose your spare tire with three simple tactics. Uh, I wanted to talk about this topic in particular because a lot of times I will have people come to me and say, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I just can't lose this last 10 pounds. Or I've plateaued and I really don't know what else to do to get my fat loss going. So if you have just a little bit to lose uh, and or you're kind of plateaued and looking for some things that will kind of boost your weight loss, uh, this is the episode for you. I'm going to talk about three basic tactics that you can incorporate into the, your day-to-day -day, uh, that are going to help you be more successful at weight loss, okay? The first one is high-intensity interval training, and I know that scares a lot of people, uh, but this is really a simple and effective way to get a really good workout in in a short period of time and really boost your metabolism to make some things happen faster. 
Okay. Now, for a lot of people, they believe a HIT training is 45 minutes to an hour, and you'll have people bragging about their 45-minute HIT training. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that isn't HIT. Uh, HIT's a very specific thing, a certain thing that you need to do if you actually want to get the benefits of HIT. What most people are talking about if they're going for more than 20 minutes is called interval training. And it is effective. Uh, it's not as effective as high-intensity interval training. So let's talk about the difference. Interval training is something that you can just keep doing. So there is a work phase and a rest phase, but you just keep going. You're not pushing at 100% during your work phase, so you have more juice in the can, if you will. Uh, you can keep going for longer and longer. And there's nothing wrong with interval training. It is quite effective, uh, but HIT training is very different in that with HIT training, uh, you're running really hard. You're moving really hard. So whatever movement patterns you're doing with HIIT training, they need to be really intense. Uh, that high intensity is the key. Because if you're doing the high intensity intervals, you're going to experience what's called excess post-exercise consumption, EPOC. And EPOC is the key for why this is effective for weight loss. It raises your metabolism for a period of probably up to 12 hours after you do the work. And so it's basically requirement that you work as hard as you possibly can for a period of time, usually no more than 30 seconds. And then you can have a rest phase, which can be anywhere up to four times the work phase. So uh, usually when I'm programming for someone new and we're going to do some basic hit training, it's 20 seconds on and then 60 seconds off. So that's a three times rest to work phase. Uh, so going through several rounds of that, the person's working really hard. Uh, the way I like to emphasize the work is I want you to think about carrying your baby through the, the forest and you see a bear and you have to run as hard as you can to get away from that bear or else you and the baby are done. If you're a little older, maybe it's your grandbaby, but you're moving as hard as you possibly can to for that period of time. So be it 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever your work phase is. Uh, and then you allow yourself to rest. You've gotten away from the bear and it's, you're able to recover. You won't recover all the way. So you go through your rest work. And if you find that you're not recovering enough to do another work, that, that program is over, that, that workout's over. When you first start this, you might only be able to do four or five rounds. And that's fine. That's a good workout if you've gotten yourself up to a point where you're fatigued and exhausted and you're not recovering you need to go ahead and stop. You've done enough. Uh, in no cases should be, you be doing more than 10 rounds. If you're doing more than 10 rounds or you're able to go for work, do a work phase that's longer than 30 seconds, you're not working at 100%. You're not pushing yourself hard enough for it to be hit training. Uh, it's all right. It's interval training. It's still something to do, uh, but just realize that almost no one except potentially a an elite athlete is going to be able to do true hit training for more than eight to 10 rounds. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So for us, we want to basically try to target doing eight rounds, but we're not looking at the number of rounds as a measure of how good this workout is. We're looking at how hard we can push ourselves and then recover as much as we can. The better performance you're going to see typically with HIIT training is that you're recovering better as you go along. So if you're doing the work now, and then you look at yourself six months later, you might find that your, your heart rate, if that's how you're going to measure your recovery is dropping back down into a, a good zone for you to get started again quicker. And so you're seeing better recovery. You can do more work. And that's really where the benefit of hit is. It affects you. It improves your, um, 
cardiovascular fitness, your VO2 max, as they say. Uh, and with that EPOC, it's helping you burn calories well after your workout. Now, I'd be remiss to talk about high-intensity interval training without talking about Tabata. Tabata was developed by a Dr. Azumi Tabata. He's a scientist, and he was studying how high-intensity interval training can be used to improve uh, cardiovascular fitness and particularly improve metabolism. And so he did some experiments, and he has come up with a process. It's a 20-second work. 10 second rest. So again, this is not a multiple one. This is the 50%. So 20 seconds, as hard as you possibly can, 10 seconds rest. And for eight rounds, that's his, that's his structure. Now in his structure, in his workout, he has eight specific exercises. Uh, and these exercises are put together. All eight of them make a very robust, very hard full body workout. Uh, you, have to be pretty athletic to be even be able to do most of these movements. Uh, and they're very metabolically challenging, each and every one of them. So if you see someone who says they have a Tabata workout and it's not pulling those other exercises, various exercises, or you're doing the same exercise over and over, what you have is an adaptation. Uh, when I'm programming for my clients, I'm very clear. It's a Tabata style workout, which just means we're going with his formula of 20 seconds of work and then 10 seconds of rest for eight rounds. Um, the last thing I want to say uh, as far as HIIT training, because it is so intense, um, start out with just once per week. And I know it's, it's inviting to try to do this every day or do this all the time. Uh, and it's, that's too much. That's too much volume uh, for most people. At some point, you might be able to put in a second uh, and if you, your fitness level gets up to a point, you may actually be able to do high-intensity interval training for three times a week. But if you're doing it right, which I mean 100% all you got, like there's no other rounds to do. This is your last one. Each one is your last one. You're working that hard. Um, if you're working that hard to get away from the bear, then your, your recovery is going to be slow. It's going to take a little while. And that epoch that's happening, your body's not recovering while that epoch is going on. It's, it's still in a work phase well after your workout. So don't try to put too many of these in there. A little bit goes a long way. Uh, so make sure you do one, you get good at it. You keep doing maybe once a week. And again, uh, if you look at a Tabata, it's four minutes. I mean, you got to warm up and then you got four minutes of hard work. Uh, so these are easy to fit in. Uh, but it's not something you want to do every day. So time it out, pay attention to your recovery, see how much these high intensity interval training affect your other workouts. You might notice your cardiovascular strength gets better, but it might also adversely affect the workout that you are planning to do uh, the next day if you haven't fully recovered. So pay attention to your recovery, but this is a really good way to get your metabolism up and keep it up for an extended period of time. And if you're doing it regularly once a week, uh, you will see an increase in your cal overall calorie burn, uh, and that's going to help you cut some of that fat. The next topic I want to talk about is called NEAT. It's near, I mean, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Now, NEAT is a term that uh, is kind of neat uh, because it's not exercise. It's just a way for you to help your body burn a little bit more and stop being as sedentary. Now, if you've ever sat down on the floor uh, you may notice that it's it's difficult to just sit in one place unless you're on a pad. You just sit on the hard floor 
you start squirming and moving around. So if you can imagine our ancestors, they didn't have comfy couches in their living room. Uh, they didn't sit in front of a computer all day. Uh, so there was constant, some form of movement most of their day, uh, whether it was just moving around, walking, doing things, uh, tapping your feet. Uh, any movement that your body's doing is going to require some energy. Now, is it a lot of energy? No, but put together, if you work to do some things that increase your meat, uh, you will actually start burning some calories and a little difference of even 20 calories a day over a period of time can be quite significant. So what are some things besides tapping your feet and dancing uh, that we can do that are non-exercise activities that would get us there? The first things I would say is recognize how our lifestyles have become easy and convenient. We get in the car, we drive to the grocery store, we try to find that closest spot to the door. Uh, we may even wait for a car to pull out to get to that closest space. We go to work in our car. We sit at our office. Things are brought to us, delivered to us. We've, we're, we live a very convenient life for the most part. So try to avoid easy. Try to avoid convenient. Park a little bit further away at the grocery store. Park a little bit further away in the employee parking lot. Don't ask for someone to bring something to you. Get up and go get it. Avoid convenient, make, make life less convenient. So you're moving around a little bit more, you know, instead of someone saying, I'm going to the break room to get a coffee. Do you want one? It's like, sure, I'll walk with you. And you walk th that type of thing. So avoid the easy, convenient stuff that's keeping you sedentary and make sure you're adding a little bit more movement. And then the final bit I'll say on this is create opportunities for need. You know, like I said, sitting on the floor instead of sitting in a chair. By the nature of that, you can still watch your program or do what you were doing, but you're going to move around more because it requires it for comfort sake. Uh, it's really hard to sit on a hard floor for any period of time, and it's more work getting up than it would be from a chair or a couch. So look for opportunities to make your life a little bit more uncomfortable, uh, and you'll be moving more. You'll be less sedentary, um, and that little bit over time is going to be significant. So that's the second one, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Look for opportunities to move. The final one, and this is probably going to be the hardest one for most people, is to not drink calories. When we drink our calories, they go into our system almost immediately. Most of the digestive process has already occurred. And as a result, they don't really fill us up and there's a lot of calories. Um, eating an orange is better than drinking orange juice, for example. The orange is already processed and chewed and ready to go, and you're absorbing it, and you're losing a lot of the fiber uh, from that uh, orange. So eating the orange is better than drinking the juice, um, and that goes for everything. So try to avoid drinking your um, food, even if it's protein, even, even if it's something else, even if you're putting whole fruits and vegetables in there, but yes, there's some fiber. Yes. Uh, you're getting some of the, of the nutrients, most of the nutrients, uh, in a smoothie, but the reality of it is it's, it's going to go through really quick. It's not going to keep you full. And as a result, you're going to get hungrier sooner. So eating whole food, uh, it's better to eat a chicken breast than it is to do an alcohol, uh, to do a, um, a protein shake. Um, it's better to eat some, a fruit than it is to drink the juice. So milk, juice, and then the final one, alcohol. Alcohol contains calories. Uh, even if you're going with the low sugar drink, uh, you know, the vodka with the club soda and a little bit of lime, 
which you know is not a bad choice for alcohol uh, consumption. A little bit, uh, a good wine, a dry wine, uh, not a bad choice. But you're drinking calories, and they're not nutrient dense calories. So as a result, uh, it's just it's just additional calories. And if you're working really hard with HIT training, and you're doing the neat, and you're working out, and you're doing your thing, you're putting calories in that aren't adding value to you, unless it is, you know, having a drink is not a problem. But if you're trying to cut that last bit and you found yourself plateauing, this is something to consider. Should you abstain or significantly reduce uh, the amount of alcohol that you're drinking? And then the final bit I'll talk about is shakes and smoothies. Um, Anyone that trains with me knows that um, protein, protein, protein. We've got to make sure we're getting our protein. And if you're training hard, which if you're doing the hit training, uh, you're going to be, you're probably training pretty hard then you're going to need enough protein. And sometimes it's just really hard to get that from whole foods um, unless you have specific strategies to make that happen. Uh, For a lot of people, those strategies involve drinking protein shakes. Um, Some people are in the habit in the mornings of having a a smoothie so that they're getting their greens and a lot of the nutrients that they need. Uh, It's quick and easy, you know, that type of thing. So we talked about convenience earlier. This is another situation where we might want to look to strategies that are a little less convenient. So I might have to say my snack is not going to be the nuts and seeds and things that I would normally eat. I'm going to eat chicken breast for a snack uh, just to get the protein. I'm not going to drink a protein shake after my workout. I'm going to eat my protein. By doing that, you're causing your body to have to do the work. And, And here's one of the interesting things. Digestion uses energy. So if we are eating chicken breasts, there's a thermogenic effect to food that is going to happen. And as a result, that protein grams or the grams of protein that I'm eating aren't going to give me the full calorie load that they would if I drank, say, whey protein. So I'm getting the same nutrition, so to speak, at a fewer calorie. So it's a more calorie, it's a, it's a, it's a less calorie dense, it's more nutrient dense food. Um, so all the way across the board, if you know you're drinking calories, look for ways to reduce that. So if you have cream in your coffee, try to reduce it. Try to use less or try to avoid it if you can. Um, again, drinking calories is it's a zero-sum game. You're, you're, you're not digesting that. So all those calories are just pure calories into your system. Uh, and you know, even if there's some nutrition involved in them, they might be slowing down your weight loss. So to kind of recap these, these are three of my favorite tactics and strategies for how I go about if I want to cut or help someone cut some uh, body fat, or if they've plateaued, we're going to do high intensity interval training. That is as hard as you can go for the work period, get your rest, stop when you, when you can't recover, or if you're doing a Tabata, push yourself, grind through those eight rounds. It's four minutes. So you, you can do this. Uh, make sure you're recovering. Make sure you're not trying to do this too often uh, and do exercises that you're comfortable you can do and go full speed. Um, so work hard, rest, and then give yourself ad- adequate recovery, knowing that you're going to have EPOC and that's going to help you burn more calories than you would have otherwise. Next is NEAT, uh, the near non, I'm sorry, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And this is just basically where we look for opportunities to be a little more active, to move our bodies a little bit more. We're not scheduling exercise. We're just saying, I, I can move my arms more. I can tap my feet. I can dance while I'm brushing my teeth rather than just stand there. I can park further away. 
Uh, I can make my life a little less convenient and burn more calories as a result. Um, and then the final bit is don't drink your calories. Um, if you want to lose weight and you want to really lean out, uh, you want to avoid drinking calories because those calories are not being digested. You're losing the thermic effect of food if you are getting those nutrients from whole food. Um, so try to avoid drinking calories. And so those are my three top, top tips. If you have any questions, you should join us on our group. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group. And we have a Facebook group there. Uh, I post challenges and other things over the course of the week, and we can have uh, discussions there. If I see something cool, I tend to put it out there. Uh, so I'd love for you to come join our group, 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash group. And I'll see you there. Hey, Rachel, how's it going? Hey, hey, Helen. <laughs> good, good. You know, I always love having these extra tips. You know, we all get through our weight loss journey in different ways, but I'm sure everybody has had a plateau or has stagnated in some form and just needs some boost to get through it. And these were all great tips. Yeah. A lot of people will set a weight loss goal and, you know, uh, it's, it's not a linear journey. It's never no. a linear journey. And particularly when you're at that, that kind of that last stages, uh, mm. it's most, most of us are going to plateau. We're going to have this um, set point. We're gonna be like, you know, I'm at this weight and I really want to be just maybe 10 pounds lighter. Uh, and it doesn't seem like the things we're doing are working uh, and it can get kind of frustrating. So I wanted to put mm -hmm. out a few tips uh, for folks that are in that position of things that they can do or not do mm -hmm. uh, that would help them kind of push that journey going. So whether it's a plateau or just kind of that last five or 10 pounds you're trying to cut. Yeah, great. All of them are great tips, but you know, I've never tried HIIT training and I suppose maybe it's because I'm a little bit intimidated about how intense that it could be. <laughs> but after listening to you talk about it, I, I feel a little less intimidated. Yeah. Now, probably as a part of your running training, you've done a fartlek before. Yeah. Lots of, okay. lots of speed drills. Yep. Okay. So fartlek is basically a speed drill where you run a little faster and then you run a little slower. It's an interval, an interval training. And it's, it's good because it actually builds VO two max and allows you to run a little faster. Uh, this is a similar thing. Uh, although the difference between standard interval training and HIIT training is that in a, in a fartlek, you don't want to get gas. You want to run right at your threshold and hold at that threshold uh, and slow down when you need to. Uh, whereas with uh, high intensity interval training, all, all the ropes are off, all the bets are off. We really mm -hmm. want to push ourselves past that point. Uh, we want to actually gas ourselves um, mm -hmm. in a sense and run as many as we can and still recover. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you're boosting your metabolism mm -hmm. like nothing else you could do. No, no long, slow, anything is going to compare to what you can do uh, with a hit session. Well, when you mentioned that you're on for 20 seconds and off for 60 seconds, I didn't put two and two together until you just mentioned the fartlek training, because one of the first things that I did in my marathon training and that I have my uh, runners do as well is um, some 20 second strides. So it's kind of funny. It's the exact same thing. It's, it's a, you go out full force for 20 seconds and take a minute or so to recover and then do it again. So that's, yeah. that's funny that we do those things. Yeah. And there's some but science also, behind it. Okay. There's some science behind it because there's mm -hmm. We have different energy sources. Our, our body uses different mm -hmm. energy sources. So when you first start movement, you're on one energy source. Okay. It's basically the mm -hmm. ATP that exists in your muscle at that point in time. That's going to last you maybe 20 seconds. 
maybe. Legit, yeah. Okay. And then you start getting into anaerobic and you're using oxygen uh, past that, which, you know, is shortly after like 30 seconds, then you're at this point where now you're, you're going to have to slow down. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to have to start being able to pull on the blood sugar and other things because you've burned all that ATP, you burned all that energy, and you'll just feel yourself naturally just not be able to keep sprinting. That's why they tell you, if you're going to get into a race, pace yourself, but in <laughs> training, it's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. We want to actually reach that threshold. We want to get to a point. Um, and so we do multiple rounds of this and we have to then, yes, allow enough time for recovery, which for most people is going to be three times. Sometimes you want to go four times. Uh, seems like a long time, but I promise you, if you go out there and push as hard as you can for 20 seconds, a minute does not mm-hmm. feel like a minute. No. At any other time you've experienced a minute. This is not an experienced minute. This is mm-hmm. this seems to go really quickly. And then as, particularly as you start getting towards the end of what you can do when you're not recovering all the way, you'll want to sit longer. You won't want to do another round. Right. Uh, and that's your body talking to you. And that's mm-hmm. maybe a good time to quit. But really, uh, the easiest way to know whether you're recovering or not is to actually look at your heart rate. Uh, and mm-hmm. find out what that base level is for you. Uh, the 220 formula can work for some people. It doesn't work for me because my heart rate will naturally go higher when I'm mm-hmm. pushing and I can handle that. And it won't come when it comes down, it's going to stay at a higher base. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. get down to like for a lot of people, you might get down to 120. I'm not going to get down to 120, but I'm also not going to stop at 175, which is what my age formula would say. It's probably stopped mm-hmm. somewhere in the 170s. Uh, my heart rate can get up to 190 uh, on a good push. Um, it can't stay there again because I'm going right. to run out of ATP and everything else. So I hit that and then I watch my recovery. If I get down below 145, then I know I have it in me to do one more round. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a mental game and it's a push game uh, and, and it does it does wonders. It does. I think in running it, I think that was a big crux of how successful I was at my marathon because I just felt, um, really cardiovascularly strong for that. And I'm sure it was because of some of those speed drill type of activities. Yeah. Hit training sounds like a great thing. It can be. And, and you can do it on, you can do it very easily. It's, it's a body weight movement for the most part, mm-hmm. um, sprinting or something like body weight squats with jumps, maybe, uh, burpees, uh, just anything that's really going to get your body moving and, and moving mm-hmm. most of your body, particularly your legs, mm-hmm. uh, which are some of the bigger muscles. Uh, but the more you're moving, the more energy you're expending. Uh, yeah. So sprinting is good. Uh, I would encourage you not to do it on a treadmill, even though I said running is good, only mm-hmm. because treadmills have the safety devices in them to slow down slowly and speed up slowly. So it's right. not going to work for for the change that you're going to want to have of full out and then full off, or at least very, very slow to allow recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, treadmills don't work very well for that, but sure. uh, uh, elliptical machines, stationary bicycles, Versa climbers, those things can be very effective for hit training. Um, awesome. You're pushing yourself. Now with a treadmill, you can do more uh, just basic interval, slow mm-hmm. it down, speed it up, you know, change the angle, but at the same time, it's just not going to be hit and it's very hard mm-hmm. to do hit safely on a treadmill. Sure. That makes sense. And then the non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, neat, you know, I'm, as we're talking right now, I'm standing and I'm kind of rocking back and forth because I can't stand still very much. <laughs> I don't sit down very much either, but I do love all those tips about 
parking farther away and taking the stairs, you know, all the things that we hear all the time, just introducing a few more of those types of energy uses throughout the day could uh, add up over time. It does. It, uh, you know, it, you could sit down and do the math and just say, what, what if I burned an extra 10 calories each day? Mm -hmm. Sure. Doesn't okay. sound like a lot, but it, it does not sound like a lot, but that's a whole pound in a year. Oh, wow. You know, and, uh, I can tell you like, you know, when I'm, when I was doing the, uh, rower, mm -hmm. um, I could burn an entire calorie in one pull, uh, if I pulled really hard. So mm -hmm. it's not hard. It's not hard to burn an extra 10 calories with a short walk, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing things that are, you know, a little bit more work than they should, they have to be, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and just even things like yard work, things that would make your job easier, Mm -hmm. um, like a wheelbarrow, you load it all in a wheelbarrow and go, well, no, just grab a clump and walk <laughs> and then go back and get another clump. You know, yeah. uh, there's that, that extra walking around while you're doing yard work, those things, um, they, they can add up. And like I said, just an additional 10 calories that you're burning each day, mm -hmm. uh, it adds up to at least a whole pound of body fat in a year. That's fantastic. But of your three tips, I have to say that number three is my favorite and to not drink your calories. My goodness. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they don't want to give up alcohol. Right. They're looking for convenience. Again, convenience. Uh, yeah. So if I can get yeah. a protein shake, is that the you know easiest way for me to get my protein in? Absolutely. You know, get through with mm -hmm. work, get through with your workout, go over, put some whey protein or, you know, vegan protein or even, you know, beef or egg based protein into a shaker, shake it up and drink it. And you're mm -hmm. getting your protein quickly. Um, but the problem is it's, it's just not going to help you if, if your goal is weight loss, because mm -hmm. you've thrown calories at yourself that your body's going to digest really quickly because you've done most of the work for mm -hmm. it and it doesn't have to do the work. So yeah. when we talk about neat old chewing mm -hmm. uh, food mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is neat, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it, so is the digestive process. There's a thermal effect to food mm -hmm. that's going through digestion. So eating a chicken breast is going to be so much better for you than taking a protein powder uh, because sure. your body has to digest that and, and pull it in and use it. Uh, it just takes mm -hmm. time. So you stay full longer uh, and mm -hmm. your body's burning more energy to obtain that protein from what you just ate. Yeah. You know, I, the other day I fixed myself a nice bowl of a, a keto friendly yogurt. Cause I, um, and then I put on there some blueberries and raspberries and then just because I like the taste of coconut, I put shredded coconut on top of it. And it was a delicious dessert for me the other night, especially now that we've got almost 80 degrees here in Michigan. But um, a lot of people would throw that in a smoothie and drink it down, which I'm sure would taste just as good in smoothie form. But I just got a lot more out of it and it's full food, proper form taking my time eating it, taking my time chewing it. And the blender would have done all that work for me. So, I mean, yeah, eating yeah. your food is a lot more enjoyable than drinking it. And, and had I done a fourth tip, uh, mm -hmm. the slowing down would have been my fourth tip. Um, so oh, I'm glad right. you brought that up. Sure. Um, you know, being more mindful of the food that you're eating and the nutrition that you're getting, uh, slowing down so you can feel the sensations of getting full. So, so mm -hmm. you stop eating, um, you know, a, an experiment that I, I, if someone's doubting this, uh, mm -hmm. try this, take, uh, make a smoothie in the morning, go ahead and make a mm -hmm. smoothie and, and get a bag of the, the spinach 
Mm-hmm. You can put half of that bag in your smoothie. Okay, it's mm-hmm. about two and a half ounces of, of spinach. It's good nutrition. You get it in there. Mm-hmm. You drink that 32-ounce smoothie really quickly, and then you're still going to be, you're going to be hungry an hour or two later. Sit mm-hmm. down and try to eat a salad that has two and a half ounces oh, of gosh. spinach. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, know, you put a nice dressing on it. You can put other stuff in there. That's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. It's a fill big you honking bowl of sa- a salad, and it's going to take you a long time to <laughs> mm-hmm. chew and eat that salad. And that's that's where this all comes from: is the speed with which you put it in, the speed with which it leaves your stomach, mm-hmm. and the signals that your body is going to give you that it's no longer full. Yeah. You know, you oh, still gosh. took in the same amount of calories, but it because it you know it didn't take as long to digest it. You're going to feel full sooner. So slowing down absolutely is how you feel mm-hmm. when you're starting to get there. And, uh, you know, over and over the advice, the blue zones, everything else, uh, all the way through is if you feel you're starting to get full, stop mm-hmm. because yeah. you, you'll end up overeating past oh, yeah. almost every time. So uh, 80% is where a lot of people like to target it. If you feel like you're at where you are at eating is about 80%, give it a mm-hmm. break, mm-hmm. um, don't have, you don't have to throw your plate out right yet, but just give it a break. Slow down and mm-hmm. just feel how you feel. And then if you start feeling full, then if you've gotten the nutrition your body needs, full stop. No reason to eat the rest of it. It's so funny, Alan. Uh, you and I both, I'm sure, were raised as kids where you need to finish everything oh, on your plate. Uh, everything on it's, that plate, everything mm-hmm. that was brought out to the table. Yes. If it, we didn't, like leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Who, who has leftovers? I know. You know, and yep. now, now I'm, I'm famous here in our house for, mm-hmm. you know, we'll fix dinner and I'll be halfway through with dinner. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, done. And I'll set my plate down. I'll go get up, get some foil or a, a bowl or something. And I'll put my food in the bowl. There you and, go. And that's my lunch tomorrow. And it's go. probably about a third of what mm-hmm. my dinner would have been like 10 years ago. Sure. It's funny. It's a hard habit to break, but it's a definitely a good one. You save it for later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go get on a boat uh, and, and take my holiday here. Give Mike my, my best. And, uh, sure. you know, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Take care, Ellen. Have fun. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Next time on the 40 plus fitness podcast, we meet Alan Aragon and discuss his book, flexible dieting until then have a happy and healthy week.